On March 22, 2019, an opinion piece appeared in the New York Times under the headline, Owning a car will soon be as quaint as owning a horse. The column was by tech journalist Kara Swisher. She wrote, The concept of actually purchasing, maintaining, insuring, and garaging an automobile in the next few decades? Finished. Kara announced that she was selling her own car and that she would, I'm quoting here, die before I buy another car. As you can imagine, as soon as we saw that, we knew we had to talk to her. Welcome to The War on Cars, the podcast that imagines a world where you can get around without owning a 4,000-pound metal box that can kill people. I'm Sarah Goodyear. With my co-hosts, Aaron Napperstack and Doug Gordon, I talked with Kara Swisher the other day at Fox Studios in downtown Manhattan. Right. What are we talking about? We're talking about cars. Cars. Okay. All right. Let's go. (laughs) It's great, actually. Kara has not one, but two of her own Vox podcasts, Recode, Decode, and Pivot. She's also editor-at-large for the technology news website Recode, and a contributing opinion writer for the New York Times. She splits her time between New York, Washington, and San Francisco. Kara Swisher has been covering Silicon Valley since the 90s. She's widely considered to be one of the most influential people in tech and has made her reputation by spotting the emerging technologies that will change people's lives. When she predicted the end of personal car ownership in the Times, it got people's attention. Her piece received thousands of comments, a lot of them from readers who thought that the entire premise was ridiculous. Kara didn't budge. Instead, she doubled down. She wrote another piece in September about how she's doing just fine without her own car, using public transportation, bikes, scooters, walking, ride sharing, and rental cars. We talked with Kara about all of that. The first male voice you hear will be Aaron's. Okay, let's go. All right. When you wrote this article about mm-hmm. um, giving two up. Two of them. Two of them. Well, yeah. the first one. When yeah. you wrote the first one, pretty much any time anyone who's outside of the transportation world mm-hmm. writes something about giving up cars, it comes across our radar, the, right. the radar of the war on cars, which is, you know, all powerful. And um, and we saw that and we we wanted to talk to you and sure. find out more about Please. how Ask you got to that point. Well, first of all, how is it going? So, I mean, Great. you wrote you wrote that one update in September. How are you feeling now? Well, you know, what I, the reason I wanted to do it is because I wanted to get the idea into the mainstream. Like many, as I said in the piece many years ago, 20 some years ago, I wrote a piece about that you're not going to have a landline phone. Like you're, you're going to have this. Mo- I had been using versions of mobile phones since they were in the suitcase. And so I was like, you won't have landline phones. Everything's going to be communicated over these devices. They're going to have all your information. And I remember pushing it and everyone at the time was like that's ridiculous we have libraries oh that's ridiculous we have landlines we have pay phones we have this and I was like none of that is it's all going to go away and I, I felt the same way where cars were going so I wanted to sort of communicate that same thing like you will not own a car someday just so you know I know we all love our cars and this and that and we and this you know we love a lot of things that we don't love anymore and so uh, I'm sure butter turns were super popular but why <laughs> use them and so I wanted to get this sense of where things are going in terms of how people are going to regard not just cars but a lot of things houses why do we own houses necessarily you know what I mean like I know we rent but there's there's new and 
fresh ways to rethink construction and automotive and transportation, and transportation being at the heart of the changes that are coming first. And so, I, you know, seeing all these, not just autonomous, but car sharing, new ways of moving around in public transportation, how people, th- how young people think of cars, um, it's just, I wanted to just say it and, and to a bigger audience, a popular audience, and it caused a hubbub, as you might imagine. Yeah, I, I mean... What what are some of the reactions oh, that you've gotten? Oh, everyone in the Midwest wrote me a note saying they want to keep their Ford 150. Whatever, fine. Go, do, <laughs> go for it. Bury yourself in it. I don't care. Whatever. You know, my, my point was larger is that there's there are demographic changes happening that are so obvious and inevitable, which is that everyone's going to be living in megacities for the most part in the future. Climate change is going to change how we do everything, and fossil fuel is a huge, not just fossil fuels, but other things are a huge contributor to that. And so all kinds of alternative transportation uh, mobility devices are going to be critically important, like scooters and uh, last mile stuff and all kinds of things. Right. Um, and I'm not talking about it getting to be like Star Trekian, where we get in the whatever the trans, what is it, transponder, whatever. Transporter. Yeah, like if that could happen, we would do that. Like, so how do we get to that future in some way? And it's all a lot of baby steps. But when when you told people you're not going to have a landline, mm-hmm. I bet you that didn't get the same kind of emotional oh, it did. response. Went crazy. Really? Oh, I like my phone in my house. I sit on my phone. I'm like, why are you sitting next to a wall <laughs> attached to a wire? Like, I don't understand why you don't want to be mobile. And I don't understand why you want to own a car. Like, you physically, you don't need to own it. There's so many interesting alternatives now. There's so many different ways to get around. And what I was trying to say was that you're not going to not use cars or a version of cars, what cars are becoming, is that you're going to not use them in the current form. And the way you're using it in the current form is just as inefficient as other things you used to do. You used to do a lot of things. Like, we used to do mimeographs. I'm super old, but, like, we don't. We, we hardly do letters. We used to do letters. I love letters. I love books. Like, some people read books still, but a whole lot of people don't read books now. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, they've moved on to more visual uh, representations of things. And so I just, I'm like, sure, you can have your books, but guess what? It's going to be replaced by a lot of different ways to consume fiction, for example. Right. But, you know, you know, with the phone, I mean, you know, when the iPhone came along, sure. it, it didn't really require me to do that much to get on board with the iPhone. Right. Like, I didn't even have to give up my landline. I could just go right. buy a new iPhone and ta-da, like, now I'm part of this new right. iPhone world. Whereas with the car, it's like people who live, I mean, I sort in of rural partly areas, grew up 100%. in the Midwest. You know, it's like, I think it's really hard for folks to envision how a place like suburban Cleveland could ever be with anything other than a car. Because well, your the place own car. Just I'm talking about your self-determined, you own a car. But fleets of cars that deploy everywhere, there's no reason. If a car can drive there, so can an autonomous car. So can a car, a car sharing kind of thing where you share cars with people. I'm talking about ownership of car, ownership of cars and the, everything that is intended on it, the parking the maintenance, the insurance, and then, by the way, every going to malls. Like, look, you're not going to need a car to go to a mall because there's not going to be malls. Like, so knock that one off your list. I mean, malls are being reconstituted into churches. There was a great story in the New York Times about this. Nobody goes to malls anymore. They're, it's a dying industry. So one of the things I thought was interesting in your first piece, was you asked these questions at the end of it. You know, will I take more buses? Will mm-hmm. I take the train more? How much will I use short-term car rentals? But you ask them in a more like, hmm, this is an interesting experiment yeah, sort know. of way. 
Whereas when we tend to talk to people about, hey, you might not need a car in the future, you get those same questions, but in a defensive way. Defensive. How am I going to get to you know yeah. my kids to school? Where do you think that comes from with you, where you were able to embrace those challenges? Well, I just was like, I just, you know, it's an interesting question because your life, everyone has life changes at different times, right? So I have teenagers. They get there any way they want to. I'm not in charge of their moving their bodies around anymore. So that's great. You know what I mean? And one of them takes subways all the time and walks and runs likes to do that uh the other likes his car he like he first but he took a long time to get his license it took him a full year to like just get to it he likes driving now i think i think it represents freedom to him and and going to friends but i suspect he's gonna get mighty like we, he's he's applying to all city schools and so mm -hmm. i suspect he won't have a car at all and he will avail himself to like here in new york public transportation as much as people complain about the subway it's a remarkable system you know as, as broken down as it is it's still it's as remarkable as it was when it was founded it's really amazing like so well i mean that's one of the the things that that I think is going to be crucial right. if if this move away from car right. ownership is going to happen, it's going to be private transportation, right? Okay. That's well, the issue. but it has to be mass transportation. Right. There has to you cannot have eight million cars, whether right. they're autonomous or not, sure. just driving around in circles. And that is one vision of sure. what AVs. If could they're be. more efficient, I mean, one of the arguments that someone from Silicon Valley says to me, I think he's probably right, is that you have like you have an accident with a person in a car, like I've been in accidents before, and I learn or sort of learn, right? When you have an accident with a with an autonomous vehicle, the millions of cars learn. Like they're constantly learning, and so eventually they'll be with with quantum computing, they'll be quite efficient. On they're not going to wander around. But if cars. there's enough of them, they're right. still going to really. Uh, where are they? You know, there's not enough road space for a car for every person. No, like not a, at all. Right, but that's right. what we have now because 80% of the cars are right. empty, right? Right. But you know, I guess my concern is if we do go to a system where there are cars and instead of trains, for mm -hmm. instance, or buses, which are much more efficient in terms of space. Sure. Um, then the space for people who walk right. or who use scooters or right. other you know, more human solutions mm -hmm. is going to be increasingly yeah, to limited be. and circumscribed, especially because AVs have proven to be uh, so far, you know, so pretty far. crappy at well, recognizing human objects. Yes, so far. Like, right. this is what we are such short term thinkers. Of course, so far, you know, surgery wasn't so great. <laughs> but was but, but good, people, right? who, people who program AVs do not want pedestrians behaving the way they do in New no, York but City. But they will figure it out. I, I, I think that something like that is sort of a short termism that it's like you're eventually going to have the correct. Uh, way these are going to be employed and the way people use them. I think the problem is that we don't quite know how people use them. I think free, for example, I use scooters a lot, right? right. I use them a lot. Right, right, And right. I, what's really been a boon to that is bike lanes. So uh, so we, I, I avail myself, I think, as the cities begin to improve. So the cities are going to play a key role in in congestion pricing and uh, taxing and in, in creating streets so that people don't want to drive, that it's a hassle to drive, like absolutely a hassle. And uh, they have to provide at the same time either working in a public-private way, which I think is the way it's going to go, which is, you know, right for corruption, et cetera, et cetera, but that works, that works so that it works more efficiently. You know, you don't want to get to a situation like private prisons, which I think we can all agree terrible people are benefiting from the misery of others uh, to something that should be in the public interest. Mass transportation should be in the public interest, but there's got to be ways to do this in more creative, innovative ways that will benefit both public and private and the people they're serving. But so far, Silicon Valley doesn't show a whole lot of interest 
in that kind of public-private partnership right. around no, they don't. mass transit. Aside, uh, let's put aside the Fantasia of the Hyperloop, which right. is or Uber. Uber talks about it. Quickly. Yeah, and and there are some partnerships that right. that have been productive, Beyond but I her. don't, I don't, yeah. But I mean, so why do you think there's not an appetite for that kind of um, partnership? In Silicon Valley partner. so far. They don't like to partner with anybody. Like, look, their interest in Silicon Valley right now, I had a really interesting interview with the CTO of Ford, and I was asking how he liked dealing with Google, et cetera. And he's like, they're so interested in the data. Like, we're interested in the customer more. They're more customer-centric. They've been selling devices, really. So they're more, they're less interested in the data than the tech companies. So he said it's always a push-pull around privacy with them, which I thought was made perfect sense. And so everything that the Silicon Valley does has to do with sucking giant amounts of data in, into their systems, um, which makes sense. That's what they do. You know, sort of people are like, why are they like this? I'm like, because scorpions bite. That's what they do. <laughs> you know, it's that old story. And so I think they, I think there will be more creative solutions as car companies get in here, as new things emerge that are not out of Silicon Valley, but are out of these, even these areas. Like there's some interesting stuff going on in Australia. There's interesting stuff going on all over the world, China. Um, so it's not going to necessarily have to come from Silicon Valley at all. How do you see, you mentioned scooters and that you're a fan. You know, there are 800 scooter companies trying to compete for this space. How do you see that shaking out? How, do, you, do you predict any? Mm, I don't know. It no. depends on how they're run. I kind of look at them. I mean, I just have anecdotal, like watching how they're kept up. You know, you can see which ones are not being kept up and which ones are. What I'm fascinated by is how much more substantive the scooters have become because obviously they've been killed on the street, right? right. Yeah. Been, they've moved very quickly. They've iterated really quickly, which I think was cool. Um, you know, I, I, I tend to go towards more the independent ones. I, I suspect the independents will do a lot better because that's their only business. You know, Uber owns whatever it owns, Scooter. I don't forget which one they own. I think that's a side business for them, and they're not their best and brightest aren't focused on it necessarily, um, although they may have a really good business there. I, I'm more inclined to that business because it makes a lot more sense. You can see how much it costs, how much they go. Their big issue is safety. That's really pretty much, and, and bike lanes. Right. Um, and whether cities allow them. I mean, those are the three major issues. But in general, it's a much more, you can really understand the business model much better. It, it's the valuations we don't understand, but the business model seems pretty solid. You I mean, know, it, it seems solid, but it doesn't seem like, like how is this a $2 billion business? Oh, well, that's business, different. You know? That's just Silicon Valley. Like, it's like, but it's why not the problem. Like when it turns out not to be a $2 billion business, uh, they're going to go out of business and then no, cities actually, are going to be left with they're pretty nothing, good right? businesses. I think once they actualize themselves, they'll be fine. Um, I think that's like a lot of businesses. Twitter's not worth what it's worth. You know, uh, WeWork obviously was the best example. That was a real estate business and kind of a Ponzi-like one at that. And so that was, if it had been right-sized, it would have been a nice little business. Like, sure, that makes sense take, you know, buildings, refurbish them, and uh, rent. people have a, it's a product people like. And so whenever there's a product people like, I'm always like, there's a business here to make a product right. out of, as long as these valuations, these valuations are just because Silicon Valley people can't help themselves, but, and but, there's too much I money. Think, I mean, I worry, and I think we, we talk about this a lot, that like you're going you're gonna to end up with situations like where you know Uber rolled into the city and sort of destroyed the taxi industry, mm -hmm. which maybe even deserved to be destroyed in some mm -hmm. ways. But like, then you're kind of left with potentially you know nothing if if Uber tanks. You don't have a functioning taxi industry. Your your you know your public uh, transportation ridership has declined because mm -hmm. Uber has rolled in. You're left with all this traffic congestion and 
cars and the, so you know what do you do how how do you get no, these No I think the idea is here I think it'll be replaced by something else like there's the, you know the planes are covered with the bodies of pioneers right you know they didn't make it all the way to California but someone did and so I just I think the concept is a is a great one and so I, I again I don't I don't quibble with the concept of Uber I quibble with its economic uh, the valuation. It's just a matter of their valuation. And then if it has the right valuation, you can start to really, you could see a, a scenario where Uber is profitable. If it's, you know, just it's just the prices have to go up. And right. I guess I, I don't care about Uber being profitable mm-hmm. as much as I care well, about I the do. city not being wrecked. You right. Know? So but, is there is there but, a way to so sort of direct cities to work with these companies so I, that there's some real public benefit? And, I don't know. Don't I, you know, in terms of us. cars, I don't know. I think it's the issue is the city should be focusing on public transportation and what it means. Or these uh, there's all, all these ideas. What I like is all these ideas around how should, like these buses that go in a circle and stuff like that. I like the innovation of ideas. And I think if Eventually, it will write. It will economically write itself. It always does. Like you can look at this happened in trains. This happened in cars. This happened. You know, sometimes we feel like we we hung the moon, right? But we didn't. Like there's been every single industry like this has had the same trajectory of hype, 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 overvaluation, too many, crash, and then several do survive to do a to do a pretty economically feasible job. I think probably the modern version of this will be an Uber-like company that's in all mobile transportations. And I don't necessarily it's going to be vertical lift and takeoff vehicles. I think that's far, far away. Um, but, uh, but, you know, it'll be a transportation company. Although now, apparently, in its contract, it's trying to say it's a technology company, right? To the right, drivers. because otherwise they'd have Those to guys. admit they, they employed that's the other people. Thing. The, price, the prices have to go up. Look, people are getting a free ride, speaking of free ride, I'm making a joke about it, but people, economically, that it shouldn't cost. When someone's like, oh, it's so inexpensive, I'm like, it's subsidized. It's right. not, you, that is not the price, and you will eventually pay the price. And then the growth will go down. Just like a lot of things, like, you know, look at Facebook right now. Everyone's like, oh, it's such a good business. That's because they don't have to do any monitoring of their content. When they do, it costs money, just like it costs the Washington Post or the New York Times or whatever. And then it will have a different economic outlook. It's just not going to be as big. You can be big if you if you don't follow the rules. <laughs> so, you, you know, you you were talking about how back in the days when cell phones first mm-hmm. came in, people couldn't imagine not being attached to the wall by yeah. a wire and, and how you're trying to get that idea out there. Mm-hmm. In in the work that we do, we, we really do feel like a lot of the time there's sort of a failure of imagination that mm-hmm. people have um, in terms of being able to see this future in which cars are not what they've been for the last 75 years. What do you think can be done to help people to envision? You've been through this huge... It's just a question of time. I think people are already doing it. They're using Amazon a lot more than they were going to the mall. They did it. They don't go to movies as much. They watch Netflix slash Disney Plus. They They do it... You know, paths are made by walking, right, so to speak, mm. if you want to use a transportation metaphor. But people are already doing it in so many ways. They're already shifting their behaviors. Like, again, I was just did a, did a podcast about movie streaming. It's like movie theater attendance is down 16% this holiday season. Well, duh. Yeah. Everyone watches things on their phones. Anyone with a kid knows it's myself. I watch everything on demand. Like, when did that change? I, and I remember this weekend thinking four times, oh, I should go to the movies. And then I just didn't. I just was at home. It was on the screen. I watched the Irishman there. I didn't go to the movie. I thought about it, but then I was like, here it is. It's when things come into 
Like, I didn't know I wanted scooters until I got scooters, and then I like scooters. It makes sense for that last mile where I don't want to walk. Now, I walk a lot more because I happen to like to walk. Um, but not everyone can walk. Not everyone can navigate. But that doesn't mean people can't come up with creative solutions. I think people are already doing it. You're not going to get people suddenly, you know, we we're all eating white bread for a hundred, like forever. And then we, everyone has five different kinds of bread. Why? What happened? Where, how did tofu show up? Like it just did. Right. Like, and nobody likes to, I like tofu. I like but, tofu. Uh, but you know what I mean? How did that show up? How did you stop eating this versus this? Why did you stop using this over that? Consumerism changes almost continually and it just does. It just does. And it's mostly by just doing. Well, but it's also by, you know, there's a lot of marketing and advertising that goes into making you want to consume any given thing. I mean, that's, yeah, the, you know, and look at the auto industry and and the how many of the ads, if you did still watch television or even if you watch YouTube, how many of the ads that get served to you or that are on any given program are automobile ads. They I mean, are now because they need to sell more because people aren't buying them But, so I mean, much. that's been that way for a long time. I mean, yeah. it's a huge – there's just a huge machine that wants you to still buy your own car. You still won't buy a car if you don't want to use it. I just – I think it's just a product. If you have a product you want to use, you can't – there's only so long you can trick people into buying a product they don't want to use. And that's – you know, ultimately, I'm trying to think of things I used to use that I don't use at all. There's so many that just that fall by the wayside. I mean, I have a – box full of technology products that I don't use anymore. Um, but, but so do you think like the automobile industry goes the way of, you know, Kodak? Like, like, no, Ford, I think there'll Ford always be just cars. Sort of disappears mm, and... I think there'll always be cars. Like, some version of a car. So there's always a need to make them. Like I don't, I never said that in that piece. I was like, it's not, I don't think, I, I rented a car, you know, I just rented it. And so what I'm finding interesting about it is when, how much do I rent? And I do make that decision. Do I need it? Or can I find it? Should I take the train? I'm spending a lot of time trying to figure out what's easier. And it depends on the case. I had to move a cat, so I didn't want to bring the cat on a train. So I'm like, I'll rent a car. It turned out to be quite economical compared to taking the train and much more economical than owning a car, for sure. Like, so far, the costs are well, there's a couple thousand dollars a year. At this but you got to get the non-car owner insurance. Yes, exactly. So now I, I called my insurance company. It's expensive, and, actually. Well, it is very expensive. It is. It is, but it won't be. It won't be. You know, eventually, when more people use it, it won't be. I use Amica, and we had a fascinating discussion, you know, about where it's going to go. And so they can only offer right now, I guess, liability insurance, which is if you hit someone. But then the damage insurance I had to buy from the rental company, which is kind of a cheat. Like it's a t it's like good for them for cheating me for that, but there it will it will you will have have some sort of insurance that will cover you for vehicle use and and your responsibility for a vehicle. Um, what has been the uh, we've we've talked a lot about like the tech side of it, the economics of it. What's been the most personally surprising thing for going car light, as it were? I I can find ways to get places, or I don't go certain places. I don't consume as much. I don't. I just don't. I just I'll just stay home. You know what I mean? Like I don't need to get in the car to get that. Uh, I obviously use delivery services a lot more. Um, I bought myself a little cart, like a little stupid, like an old lady cart, and I love my old lady cart. Um, I I that I shop a, a lot less, a lot less. I buy a lot more, less stuff and more fresh stuff, which is interesting because I'm only I'm sort of European in that regard. A lot of Europeans don't own cars, more so than the United States, and. Um, uh, I, I take public transportation a ton. I walk a ton if I can. Um, and scooters. I love scooters. I, I shouldn't love scooters. I know they're dangerous, but I wear a helmet. Uh, it's not. It's still not going to save me in the end. But um, <laughs> but it's. Uh, I love them. I, I find them joyful. I find them. You know. Again, they're so. They're not undangerous. But I stay in the bike lanes. And I don't. You know, my son uses. A, he has a car. He has it from his other mom. And 
he was like, you really don't use the car anymore. And I'm like, I really don't. Like he was, they were all making fun of me, my sons about this thing. And they were like, you really don't use the car. And I'm like, I really, I don't need it. I don't need it. And I find I, it it was sort of one of those things you just use because it was there. Take the car. Yeah. Um, When it's not available, you kind of get creative. Yeah. I mean, I've brought up my son who's a teenager Mm -hmm. without a car Mm -hmm. and, and he doesn't think of a car as a solution. Right. So, I mean, I'm interested that you have a new baby. This yeah. baby is growing up. Well, I got a Duna this... stroller. Yeah. Which I, I use Ubers. I use Ubers. Yeah. I use all the things. But I, I I think about that a lot. I think yeah. about movement. Like, should I get the subways are terrible on the on the escalators and in New York. They're terrible, as has been well reported. Um, they're, they're not they're not non-functioning in Washington, actually. They work just mm-hmm. fine. Um I use a, a carry. I carry in front, or I this Duna thing turns into a stroller from a car seat, and okay. so I can either get in a car, Uber, or uh, or use public transportation. So I go both uh, or walk. I mean, what I found bringing up a baby, toddler, mm-hmm. child on public transportation is that you are looking at them and talking to them yeah. a lot more than than you do when you're driving and yeah. have the kid in we the back. We rent a car for a long drive to Boston. Like, yeah, no I mean, but, but a lot of the time you're just actually just sitting next to them and, right. look, and you're looking at the same thing and you're yep. engaged with the kid yep. in a different 100%. way. 100%. How long do you think this is going to take? Like, w- at least in, let's just say, major coastal cities like your New York's and Boston's and L.A., San Francisco, Seattle, like, how long is it going to take for us to really make it so that car ownership is pretty rare and unusual? Well, I, it's, I think once cities and informed mayors get involved, you see a lot of stuff going on, obviously, in Europe, always way ahead of us in that regard, Copenhagen and other cities. And when you go there, it makes perfect sense the way they've done it. They're much more livable cities. You know, you sort of start to hate cars in cities. And, you know, why is it? I think there was a statistic in the New York Times that I think 70 percent of the street is taken up by cars in New York. Why do they get 70? Like... Why can't they have half? Like, let's start with yeah. half. And so I think it takes it's going to take some mayor of a city going, you know what? We're going car free in the center. We're just doing it. And then taking those slings and arrows you're going to get from businesses or figuring out, like, I envision a system eventually that you would have the trucks go under. I have this vision of them going under. And I know you hate Hyperloop, but it's not a stupid idea. It's not a, the concept is correct. There, there's all kinds of openings for innovation, like why deliveries only at a certain time? Why aren't they? Why do trucks deliver during the day? I don't even understand. Why not just change their schedule? I'd like to see one of the mayors, and there's several mayors in Europe, but in this country, like one mayor really go, hey, we're going to try this. I would think California would be where that would happen. Yeah, I mean, the thing is that the, the cities in Europe, like Copenhagen, where cars are optional. Mm-hmm. It's it's more convenient not to have a car. Right. And the government has moved to make that right. the case. It's right. more convenient. It's less expensive. It's easier. You don't get people out of cars because they want to be virtuous or, mm-hmm. um, no, you, you know. you can appeal to that. I, I mean, mean, you sure. That's part of the no, you marketing just make it strategy. Easier. It's easier but it's, to do it. it like needs anything, to be easier. People do whatever is easier, whatever is more convenient. And uh, and if there's good along the way, hey, great, it's good for you. But convenience should be the way it appeals. And I think it, it's got to be regula- regulators really being creative about 
livable cities because I think cities will, will become these dystopian horror shows. If we don't. And then when you get into hovercrafts and all kinds of things, that we, we'll all be dead by this point. But, you know, eventually we will have that. Like, it's interesting. It's interesting to imagine how people are going to actually get around. And then I just had an interview where we talked about that you won't have your body at all. It'll be downloaded computer. And one day you'll be in a cell phone and we can carry it around. The other day you'll be like a greyhound and then you'll be a this. Like, you'll be a shapeshifter, which was fascinating when you really start to think about that. Like, you don't even have to have a sentient being to get around. Huh. We're, we're going to be, like, protesting all of the, like, darn these hovercrafts and non-sentient <laughs> yeah. being we'll planes. Be, yeah. <laughs> well, our, 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 our brains will be downloaded into NIMBY cell phones well, then, where we You were, know, we'll yeah. also travel more not necessarily moving. Like, with these AR, a lot of this VR stuff is really, eventually will be really cool, and you'll be in world. You'll have, like, the holodeck. You certainly will. Me, though, that you're, I mean, it sounds like you're suggesting that cities and regulators really have to kind of step up to yeah. help make this change happen. It's 100%. like you're, even though you're the tech reporter, you're not really counting on Silicon Valley or Detroit or any industry oh, to I sort think, of like drive this on their own. I think they have to. I have to think of the future. I mean, you know, obviously everyone's there's such short termism with the car companies or wherever, but you know, everyone's there's going to be a point where no one's going to be buying these things. Like, look at Disney with Disney Plus. Like, what does that say? It says people aren't going to the theaters, and guess what? We still have great content, and so our our business is still a content company. It's just the medium that is going to you, and and it's not, it's not a small thing they're doing at Disney right now. For I mean, that's just a, you can think of that the same thing if you're the head of a car company. It's like okay. Not going to sell as many cars. What do I need to do? I need to have a fleet of cars that we're going to rent out. What do I need? Should I buy Uber as the reservation system? You have to be thinking, like, what's the next step? Bob Iger, who I think is one of the best CEOs out there, I was emailing with him. I said, you told me if someone's going to eat our digital lunch, it might as well be us. Now, this was 20 years ago he said this to me. And so he was hurting a business. He, You know, they were in the television business, the you know, the network television business. Well, nobody thinks that's a good business. Anymore. I mean, it's fine, but it's not what it was. And they have to be thinking about what is going to eat our lunch and what shall we, what naturally do we go adjacent to that makes sense for us. Yeah, it's all about the money, right? Yeah. Well, eventually, sure, why not? Like, <laughs> and and the fun of riding a scooter. You should have concerns about the climate, right? You should have concerns about, look at, it's like eating your vegetables. Like, guess what? It doesn't matter. And none of this matters if we don't have climate and we all have to move to Mars, like, which we're not only about four of us are going. Yeah, well, <laughs> exactly. just, and they're all rich billionaires. Yeah, so it's yeah. not you. It's like, yeah. yeah. So will, will you be writing a, a third, a trilogy a conclusion? I don't know. To yes, I will. I'm going to do one at, uh, maybe at the end of the year. It's interesting. The reaction is, First, it was like, what? How dare you? And now it's like, oh, interesting. And then I think people are like, okay. Like, a lot of people are thinking this. Like, I, I was noticing that your first article had something like two or 3,000 comments. Your ah. second had 400. Yeah. So something like the idea of doing it is scary to people. The reality is not that scary Yeah, to that was all from the same town in the Midwest. <laughs> but, uh, 2000. But it was more, you know, it was, it was a lot on Twitter. It was crazy. But, you know, once you introduce an idea to people, they're like, huh. Well, that's true. Like when I was writing years ago about Amazon, I'm like, this is all going to be delivered to you. They're going to be the biggest shopper, the biggest commerce. What? I love my stores. Look what's happening to retail. Look at the retail landscape. Talk about that. Mm -hmm. That's a real devastation. That's the real, you know. And so what do we turn our main streets into? They're going to be restaurants and experiential things where you can't do it digitally. 
that you want. Yeah, wanted. but it's not even the main street anymore. We already had to do that conversion. Right. It's the it's well, the, actually, it's main the, streets are coming back. Right. Like it's the are, it's yeah. the big box stores and the malls well, and all the infrastructure, which is phenomenally expensive to build and maintain. Right. For municipalities, They're all gone. of that sprawl infrastructure. That just what do you need it there's for? nothing. You, and, there's and, no and use so for it. No one anticipates Amazon coming right. in here because that does that means you don't want to you don't even need Main Street anymore. And I think that's the challenge is that if it's you know my girlfriend hates using Amazon. Was like one of these people like I'm using local retailers. I'm doing this. We just had a baby. Yeah. Guess what? She's like <laughs> she goes I hate Amazon, but man, do they know how this works perfectly when something's wrong it goes back it's so easy it's i mean they have it down to a technological science yeah. and so it's hard to deny like okay and you actually consume less because you know exactly what you don't just wander around and buy things like you have very specific needs mm. and so it, no one anticipated amazon mm. yeah every other retailers were probably like oh phew now malls are over like oh no now Amazon's here, and and they're the only player of any consequence in this. But I mean, I space. guess I I I would hate to think of a world in which we never had any reason to go outside like that. That does well, yes, depress but that's, me. That's a movie. <laughs> what was that movie? The Disney it was a Disney movie. What was it when everyone's like a trash heap? Um, oh, Wally. Oh, Wally. Wally. Yeah. yeah. Hello. Yeah. That's I know. What it is. Talk about going into space, right? Yeah. yeah. Or maybe you'll just go outside to like enjoy outside. Like, mm. just for itself. What a concept. <laughs> I, but it seems like what you're saying is that regardless of, of how people feel emotionally attached to their cars and their driveways and their all the appurtenances of Are car life. Are you attached life. to your driveway? Do you like I don't know. <laughs> I don't. Not me. Driveway. I've never, I've never I think had a real driveway. people have emotional connections because it's about a time in their life and stuff. I think most people don't like driving. But despite that, it, it's just it's just moving away from that. It's and just, I don't think most people like the drudgery of driving. I think people like some driving, like driving down the, the road on a sunny day with a top down. Sure. I love that. I had convertibles for years. Like, I get that. And, you know, watching Ford versus Ferrari. Yay. Cool. Yeah. Fast. Fun. Beautiful. You know, there's some very great beauty to automobiles mm, mm. and machinery mm. so i get that i just think most people's relationship with the car is quite is one full of rage and traffic and bad decisions <laughs> i think i think i'm on the cutting edge of a thing that everyone's going to do eventually you know what i mean like or many most people not everybody and again if you love your car you know clean it on weekends wax it <laughs> give it a big hug but keep, whatever keep it in your sure i have no objection it. but it's your horse it's like a horse like give it sugar and then it's fine like i have no attraction to owning a car so i'm not going to anymore you heard it folks that's it for kara swisher and owning a car she is done and that's it for this episode of the war on cars remember to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts because that helps people find us. We're planning a year-end mailbag episode and we would love to get your voice memos talking about what's happening on the streets where you live. You can send them to thewaroncars at gmail.com. Please try to keep them under 30 seconds. And a reminder that if you would like to support us and what we do here at the podcast, trying to convince people to give up their cars, you can become a Patreon sponsor. Go to thewaroncars.org and click on Donate. We'd like to thank our top sponsors, including Charlie G. of Human Powered Law in Portland, Oregon, the Law Office of Vaccaro and White in New York City, Huck and Elizabeth Finney, Lee H. Herman Jr., and Drew Raines. Big thanks to the crew over at Vox Studios for welcoming us and making us feel so at home. 
The rest of this episode was recorded at our usual home uh, by Josh Wilcox at the Brooklyn Podcasting Studio. And special thanks to Kara Swisher for making the time to talk with us. You should check out her podcasts, Recode Decode and Pivot, wherever you get your podcasts. Our theme music is by Nathaniel Goodyear. Our logo is by Danny Finkel of Crucial D Designs. I'm Sarah Goodyear, and this is The War on Cars. 